Well, thank you so much for trusting us with your time and watching this and listening to this. I just really can't thank you enough. And if you're watching this at a partner church, I want to say thank you. I think it's really neat that your pastor is trusting us with the Sunday morning teaching. I think that's pretty neat. Um, we love your pastors. Love, love being in the network as well. So I have three sort of disclaimers as we jump into today. Uh, first, we we really do invite you to be open-minded and open-hearted about what we'll talk about today. Uh, hopefully there are some things that you learn. Our end game, and we sort of put our cards out there, we want you to be inspired to follow Jesus, first and foremost. And that is what our aim is. That is what our goal is, is that you would be inspired to follow Jesus. The second thing, I don't want to do anything unintentionally to cause you to hit the pause button or cause you to leave or not watch this or stop listening to this. So I was intentional with wearing, if you're watching this, a purple shirt. Well, more of like a lavender. So I didn't want to go with red or blue to throw you off if I'm for the blue team or the red team. So yeah, we were pretty intentional with the shirt color. The third thing, and this is really important, is some of the content that we're going to be talking about, we're going to dig into the context of when Peter is writing this letter. And so there are some things that we, my wife Jenny and I, don't feel comfortable having our daughter who's six, Brooke, listen to. And so what we usually do, our rhythm, is once the message starts on Sunday, we give her a device and she watches upstream. And so she has her teaching that goes about 15 to 20 minutes, the same length of the time that, that I'm teaching. So we invite you to do that now. The link is in the chat window, but also, as Emily mentioned, you can find it online. Just click join us now. So Peter's big idea in this letter, and this is something we hit every week, is to encourage followers of Jesus that hope in our true home empowers us to live Jesus-centered lives in our temporary home. So we have a forever home in the new heavens, the new earth, and right now we live in a temporary home. So our focus ought to be that forever home, not the starter home. So this big idea plays out each and every week. So politics. And that word may send chills down your spine right now as you watch or listen to this, but it might be good to be, and even helpful to give a description of what we mean. It just means the way we make decisions as we live together. Now, that doesn't sound too terrible, right? But it's more than just a description. It's more than just a definition to us. For some of us, it brings emotions, avoidance, and debates. For some of us, we are trying to be in the middle. We're trying to be uh, political. We're independent of both political parties. We don't want to talk about it because we want everybody to like us. For others of us, we are one policy or a one-issue voter. For others of us, we are all in on the political platform even if policies in that platform contradict God's word. And the final thing, for some of us, we vote for one because we don't like the other. We'll find that Peter wrote this while living under the emperor Nero, and he was a bad dude. There are things so different on how we live as Americans and even our northern neighbors, Canadians, as you all watch this as well. We live differently than under a dictator like Nero. But, even though the form of government is completely different, we can get some things out of Peter's letter that haven't changed. Those principles have not changed. So the question is, what if there was more than just a donkey and an elephant? Before we jump into Peter's section on politics, it'll be helpful 
to see what the early church positioned themselves on. So they positioned themselves on five things. The first is they positioned themselves on being multi-ethnic. They were about racial justice. Um, Second, they served the poor. They were about economic justice. Three, they were peacemakers. Four, they were pro-life. And five, they viewed sex only between a husband and a wife. So the first two positions usually come across as Democrat, and the last two positions usually come across as Republican. And the middle one, peacemakers, has switched between parties over the last years. If you go back all the way to the Civil War, most of the major wars were bipartisan. Some were led by a Democratic president, others led by a Republican president. It switched parties over the years. So, I don't want you to miss this. The church's historical positions do not fit with modern platforms. The church's historical positions on those five things don't fit with modern platforms. Look, I honestly don't believe Peter would have understood what it meant to be able to vote in a free election. I honestly don't believe Peter could have imagined a Western civilization changed by Christianity. I don't believe that he foresaw that without Jesus reigning as king on earth, that none of those things would happen. There's no doubt that what he wrote helped change and created a Western civilization. Now, I'm convinced of this. Christianity was great for Western civilization, but Western culture has been good for Christianity. Look, for some of us, we really don't know how good we have it here. I know I've heard people say, well, I'm going to leave if someone gets elected. It's like, oh my goodness, y'all, we have it so good here. We have it so good here. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie Concussion. Will Smith is one of my favorite actors. He just really, really, go. I go all the way back to French, Fresh Prince, right? Of Bel-Air. So, quick, quick, quick clip in the movie Concussion. He's a doctor. He comes over from Africa, and he works as a medical examiner in Pittsburgh, and there was a football player that dies, and he discovers CTE in a huge fight with the NFL. There's a scene, and he tells his bride or bride-to-be, he says, heaven, where I was from, was always up here, and America was right there. Y'all, we have it so good here. So let's jump in. For the Lord's sake. And I love that he says that because he opens this section and then he'll close this section focused on Jesus. He says, submit to all human authority. Notice he doesn't say a democratic republic or only a communist state or only to a dictator. No, he says, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. So. Peter bookends this section again, focusing on Jesus. Now, he starts off rem- reminding his listeners, his readers, that, hey, you guys are representatives of Jesus in your community. That means how you live says more about your leader than it says about you. It pointed people to Jesus by the way that they lived. Their respect, their submission in the Roman Empire pointed people to Jesus. In Peter's context, Nero, like I said, was a bad dude, and he would appoint officials to stabilize different regions. I mean, the Roman Empire was so vast that to, to help stabilization is he would point people to be in different regions, and most likely they did not handle themselves really well. So they would reward those who did right, and they would punish those who did wrong. 
And the whole goal was to stabilize the regions to keep the Roman Empire uh, growing. He continues, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So what Christians stood for early on was counter to Roman culture. Now, there were five things they positioned themselves on, just like I said, and this is how they demonstrated those. This is how they lived it out. They valued Romans and Greeks, regardless of what they look like, regardless of their race. They all had one thing in common, is they belonged to Christ. So they were willing to look past hues and views because they were together because of Christ. The second thing, they helped those who were poor, many of which were slaves, willing to share what they had so others had some. The empire created social and economical classes and the church quietly, this is important, quietly shared and gave to those without. Women were valued, which is why women were the majority demographic of the early church. Slaves were empowered to live as free because of Christ. Now, I want to make a distinction because this is really important. I know some of my friends have, st- have, have argued that the early church was like a form of socialism, and that, that's not true at all. And if you ever read Luke's second half of his letter called Acts, and he's writing, and they talk about how they would sell things and have things in common. Well, th- this is not socialism, nor was it communism. Um, socialism and communism are forms of government uh, in this day and age, and it is not volitional. The church, early church, was volitional. They were willing to give up things that they had to give to those without. The government was not making them do that because the government already put them in different social classes. They already set that up. So I want to be very clear. I'm really concerned that Marxism is sort of finding its way over here because it's so concerning because it's based on atheist, uh, an atheist ideology. Communism, socialism are founded with a Marxist ideology. It's dangerous. It it really is. So three, they attempted to make peace through their example. Church leaders encouraged people to stay in their family, stay in their city, stay in their country, and be as loyal and honorable as a person they could be without compromising their faith. So that meant no to war. That meant no to fighting. That meant everything they could to be at peace with each other. They condemned child exposure which was a Roman practice of abandoning their child. What they would do is they would throw their child on the trash heap or they would throw their child out in the cold or they would throw their child in a body of water. And what the church would do is Christians would come and find these babies, raise them. They would rescue them and raise them. It it was such a common practice of what the church would do that Romans would know that, hey, just if you don't want your baby, just give it over to the church. They'll take care of it. They condemned, fifth, the common practice of pedophilia. And there was a common practice for men to have sex with slave girls and slave boys as young as five or six. Guys, that's disgusting. Um, Or they would have sex with male or female prostitutes. Whereas women, they were forbidden to have those form of relationships That was what culture was like, and that is what the church positioned themselves on. Christians were not empowered by culture, yet they overpowered culture through living out their faith. You know, that's a good reminder for all of us, that we're not empowered by culture, yet we can overpower culture through living out our faith. I love what Galen, he was a historian during the time of Peter, and he writes this. These Christians exhibit the kind of virtues in their behavior 
that we associate with philosophical training. I don't buy their beliefs at all. But it's amazing that they can live out these virtues that we ordinarily associate with philosophical training. What he's saying is, man, how are they living this out without training? And that's simple. These followers of Jesus are being empowered by his spirit. That's how they're able to live this out with this, without this philosophical training. It's God's will that we silence our critics, our culture, by doing good and not fighting authority. We need to, as a church, we need to value and position ourselves on five things. We value multi-ethnic expression of our faith. We serve the poor. We are peacemakers. We're pro-life. And we ought to have sexual integrity. In these early centuries, Christians, and I love what Larry Hurtado writes. He writes this, in the early centuries, Christians had no such force that they could use, even if they wanted to. They were forced simply to defend their faith by reason, by argumentation, and by the demonstrable moral quality of their lives. And notice this, and their readiness to live by what they said. Wow. He continues, he says, for you are free. Peter says, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Remember, he's writing to people who had different backgrounds. He's writing to those who were Romans, and now they became followers of Jesus. And he, he's reminding them, hey, don't go back to that lifestyle. Don't go back to that lifestyle. No, instead, salvation doesn't leave anybody the same. When you meet Jesus, he changes your life. There is a before Christ, and there's an after Christ. And he's saying, look, if you're still living as if it's a before Christ, then there is no after Christ. Whether people lived up to it or not, there was an expectation that behavior would change. Look, for us, freedom is meant to be a tool to build, not a weapon to blind. Like, we need to use our freedom for good. We need to use our freedom to benefit others. As I submit to Christ, I submit to his example. His example was that he came not to be served, but he came to serve. Peter continues as he begins to land the plane. He says, respect everyone. And love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. The value of peacemaking is seen through respecting everyone, including the king. We, we value each person we come in contact because they are made in God's image. They have inherent worth and value. They matter. Everyone. We are conceived in God's image. This is so important that when we are conceived, we are made in God's image. Now, that means we ought to respect those who may think, may look differently than us, those who have a different view or hue than us. It means that we respect them. It means that we respect the president regardless if you like him or not. And so if I could share a personal story, if I can, back before the Affordable Care Act was voted on and put in place, uh, there was a promise made that Americans could keep their insurance. Well, unfortunately, when it passed, Jenny and I, we lost our coverage. We lost our insurance. And when we're going into the process of bringing in a new baby girl into the house, man, insurance is so important. We were devastated, and it took two months. As we went on the website, we found out that we made too much money, so we couldn't apply for anything. And then we had to find another insurance provider, and it was more than our mortgage payment. It was hard. It was not easy. It caused us a lot of pain. It caused us a lot of frustration. I'll be honest. I didn't like the decision, but it didn't stop me from praying for the president. It didn't stop me. 
every Monday I would pray for him and his family. I've done the same with this current president who at times says some things that are very disrespectful, but yet I still pray for him on Monday, him and his family. Look, here's the deal. There was an emphasis, and I don't think we, I don't want us to miss this. We need each other. As we respect everyone, we need to love the church. The church, the thing that you and I have in common is that we belong to Christ. I love and I believe that he's intentional about what he uses. He uses the word agape to describe this love. Now, the Greeks had eight types of love. The highest form was agape. It was selfless love. And he's saying, look, I want you to live selflessly with the family of believers. Then he says, fear God and respect the king. Now, imagine hearing this and living under Nero's rule. He's saying, fear God and respect the king. Are you kidding? Shouldn't I fear Nero as he's throwing Christians out in the circus and lions are eating and spitting them out? That doesn't make sense. What Peter is helping us understand is the fact that God is the one who puts kings in position of authority and moves them out of those positions. God is the ultimate just judge. Remember, this is just a temporary home. This is just a starter home. God is going to be rolling and reigning forever in our forever home. So he's the one we need to have our focus on. He's the one we need our attention on. This is just a temporary home. Kings and queens will come and go during our lifetime here. Peter continues, he says, Look, you who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when, conspicuous of his will, or conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. That's such an important phrase. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, God, patiently God is pleased with you. Now look, we really don't have a good illustration of this because thank God slavery is no longer in America in the sense of what it was when we first started as a nation. But there are people who are listening to this or maybe you know people who are living in a country where there is forced labor. There is slave labor. And the beautiful picture that we have in here that Peter is writing to those who were most likely, some of them were slaves, He says, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Why? Because of his spirit living in them. Their focus was not on the starter home. Their focus was on their forever home. So imagine being in a room and you get this letter from Peter and everyone's jazzed up. Like they're super excited that the letter from Peter came and they circle up and they begin reading and hearing. How would you feel when it got to this section of the letter? Maybe you're thinking the same thing they were thinking. I can't do this. It's too hard to live a different kind of life. How would my spouse view me? How would my family and friends say about me? What will they say? I think for some of us, we are really concerned of, hey, what will people say if they found out who I voted for? Peter provides a commentary on an Old Testament passage, Isaiah 53, to inspire and encourage his readers. And I hope that it inspires and encourages you. He says, for God calls you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Notice, Jesus never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. 
He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. If you've missed anything that I said, if you don't mind maybe leaning in to the TV, leaning into your computer screen, leaning into your phone, screen. Our identity as a follower of Jesus is in Christ, not a political party. Look, political parties come and go. Jesus does not. Here in America, we live with this two-party democratic republic, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful form of government in a broken human form. It is the best that I've seen, and it's been a good, good, out of all the systems, it's been a good system. But we have Christians in other countries that don't have that privilege. They don't live with that form of government. They live more with more of a Nero's Rome. Whether we live in a republic or a socialist state or a communist country, Peter's helping us all to understand as the church that we are called to live as Christ where he has called us to live. He empowers us with his spirit who is referred to in the New Testament writings as a dove. As you look to vote on Tuesday, or maybe you've already voted, look, this is just the start of another four years before the next vote. Regardless of how the results come in, we, you and I, we are called to do good. We can do good as we live in the power of His Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for having this in the Bible for us to read Thank you so much that it was not just relatable back then to those listeners, those readers, but also to us. Help us to realize, number one, that if we're a follower of Jesus, then we have a unique opportunity to show our faith. The second thing, Father, if there's someone that doesn't know you, to have a relationship, hasn't made Jesus the leader of their life, if, if they're still stumbling over the resurrection, Father, May they have the courage to reach out to one of our hosts and we can help them and walk them through what it looks like to follow Jesus. The third thing that I'd ask that, Father, no matter how the election turns out, Father, may we respond, may we respond respectfully and honorably. God, thank you again for allowing us to be born, to be raised, maybe to be adopted, or maybe for some of us who've immigrated over here to have this type of form of government that was founded on Christian values. So God, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.